Hello, and welcome to the Court of Alex podcast. I'm Muse, and I have forgotten how to talk to people due to quarantine. I'm here with Joe. Hello. And V. Hello. We're a comic podcast that uploads weekly. You can check the show notes down below for which comics we'll be covering this week and their timestamps, so you can skip over those titles if it's something you haven't read yet or aren't interested in reading. Due to the slow influx of comics, we only have a couple of titles this week. It's only two. I'm going to let Joe start and cover Justice League 45. Yeah, it's good. I covered 44 two weeks ago. We've actually only been covering two issues the past three episodes, including this one. Yeah, the consistency of titles between all three of us is not <laughs> very good. <laughs> I mean, hopefully it starts to peak up soon. For DC, I'm reading most of the titles they're printing out weekly, but that's just me. But Read it. <laughs> actually, no, I actually dropped a bunch of Marvel titles this week. <laughs> basically all the x titles because i I started reading marauders i was three pages in and i was like i just don't care then i just stopped i dropped that x-force and x-men but yeah so i covered justice league 45 which was written by the talented robert venditti and a new artist on board which was eddie barrows and the inker was eber eber ferreira and the colorist was Romulan Fajardo Jr. Can I just please say, oh my god, their art was great in this issue. I really loved it. But taking back off where me and V left with Justice League 44 a couple weeks ago, Spectre is fueling the Justice League's fights against each other with his vengeance, while now God with a capital G, the man upstairs himself, decides that he feels like he wants to react how he did during the Old Testament because Detective Jim Corrigan, who is known to being bound to the Spectre, decided he wanted to quit and God's not having it. Excuse me? Yeah. What on earth? Last week, it starts off with the Spectre coming into play. For some reason, the gates of Tartarus are open. The Justice League doesn't understand why they went to Aquaman's rescue. I'm just catching Muse up to speed here because she wasn't here when I reviewed it last time. So, Thank you. Aquaman asked for the help of the Justice League. Gates of Tartarus are somehow opened. The entire Justice League is getting filled with this vengeance against each other. It turns out they're being fueled by the Spectre for some reason. The vengeance of the Spectre is continuing to fuel them up. They're all fighting against each other. You have Batman versus Superman, Green Lantern versus The Flash, and you have Aquaman versus Wonder Woman. It was kind of funny watching Batman and Clark fight each other because their banter in between reminded me so much of that one scene in Holy Musical Batman. (laughs) Basically saying, like, without your superpowers, you're nothing. And Clark saying that he needs all these gadgets to win. You know, just that typical stuff. Bruce goes back to telling Clark about how he shouldn't have revealed his identity to the world. He put the Justice League at danger. And then Clark is back on his fucking secrets bullshit where he just (laughs) sees secret identity. He's like, no. And basically tells Bruce that he's not going to stop his life just because Bruce is afraid of secrets and has his whole life surrounding them. What do you say? He's like, I'm my own man. I'm Superman. Like, ugh. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I did not like that. Binge. They all slowly start to snap out of it, get back to their normal selves, realizing what is going on here. Like, why were we saying these things? When Clark's snapping out of it, he's like, I don't think that's what mom meant when she taught me to speak my mind. 
Did he say that? Yeah. Oh my gosh. These lines are so... Ugh. I just don't understand. Like, little things like that, they differentiate so much from his Man of Tomorrow run. And I don't know why he's making Clark sound this way. Unless he's basing it off of a certain somebody who's currently writing Superman and is trying to go with his version of Superman, because if he makes his JLA Superman closer to the Walmart comics, it's going to seem way better than the mainstream Superman comic. Well, I don't know, because Joshua Williamson has no problem writing Superman the way he wants to in the Batman Superman comic. True. It's just so different from his Man Tomorrow run, and I, I don't understand why. Also, just... As I said in the beginning, just a little bit of information about the Spectre. Spectre is supposed to be bound to the soul of Detective Jim Corrigan, who has the unenviable duty of deciding when God's vengeance is required to render judgment on the wicked. And Batman states this along with adding, yes, that's right, capital G, God. <laughs> oh, DC goes back and forth on whether God is real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There was this really awesome scene about God speaking through to Spectre because Batman was able to figure out that he's not bound to Jim Corrigan. Jim Corrigan would have been there. He would have been able to see him. Also says how he's worked with the Spectre time and time again, but this is new. Cut to Jim Corrigan is actually the one who opened up the gates of Tartarus and he trapped himself in there because he was tired of being the Spectre for God. And you see a couple pages of God speaking to him. You don't see God, you just see these word bubbles in fancy Thor handwriting basically saying, he's like, I don't want to work for you anymore, I quit. And then God basically says, this isn't an option. You agreed to this, you're going to fulfill this. He's like, yeah, I didn't know it was going to be literal decades, which is a blink of an eye for you, and it's a lifetime for me. So I'm going to sit in this hole until you can let me walk out of here fine. And God basically says, did you really expect that you can hide from an all-knowing, all-seeing being? Like, I don't know. I don't like the way that he writes him. He sounds so Old Testament. And also the fact that it's like, you can then throw in God's face, like, well, why didn't you help out with Perpetua? Like, there's so many things that have <laughs> gone on. Like, infinite crisis. Where were you, buddy? I have some questions. How do you feel about Perpetua? <laughs> when the actual universe was being destroyed or like melded together unless i was like this is god's will and i will sit back and let it happen like what the heck dude and now you're just getting all a god's will not the god's will <laughs> exactly well there's the old gods there's the new gods and then you've got the super super big gods who made the multiverse mm -hmm. yeah and then you got old testament god you got lucifer mm -hmm. um you got the seven, um, whatever Deadly those people sins. are. No, no, no. The seven, like, death, despair, desire, dream. I'm not gonna list all of them because I've never been good at naming all the reindeer. But <laughs> those guys are very interesting. They interact with, like, Lucifer. And I think dream has to go, like, take over hell for a little while. So demons and angels exist. Tangentially related to the DC universe. There is the whole Judeo-Christian culture, <laughs> yep. but they never like smush it too close to the other stuff. And it's not even like Marvel where like everything exists or like sometimes this exists and sometimes this exists. They had moments where a lot of things exist at the same time because even pre-Flashpoint, 
get your bingo card out, Vic, and I'm going to reference Teen Titans. They had the Hindu gods. <laughs> oh, gosh. In the Teen Titans run, along with the Old Testament stuff, because you had the demons like Trigon and Necron, which gave Blue Devil and Red Devil their powers, and also Kid Eternity, who was locked outside the gates of hell. Yep, that was kind of a sad arc. <laughs> mm-hmm. Again, you have the old gods of Olympus, and you have the Titans, they're all there, and the new gods on New Genesis and Apocalypse. It's just so weird that like now yeah they've decided to just show up and ask for help from the justice league because specter yeah. is being whiny <laughs> the specter is actually because he's bound to corrigan so he's kind of controlled mm-hmm. so this is him letting out all this anger and stuff that he has towards the world apparently he has no filter now <laughs> right yeah. The only reason why the Justice League was able to snap out of it is because God wants them to listen. This is what Batman says. And then God starts speaking through the Spectre, shows them some prophecy of what's to come. And you see destruction of cities, you see these alien uh, spaceships flying over Earth, and it's people. They all know what they have to do. Diana leads them to the gates of Tartarus, which are underneath Themyscira. And of course, it ends with them being surrounded by Amazons, which they all know men isn't supposed to step foot on Themyscira. And Diana reminds them that because she is with them, she is also going to get attacked. So she can't even protect them from her sisters. Mm. And that's how it ends. I would have thought by this point, at least the Justice League members with escort via Diana equals you're fine. But if you come on our land without her... There's moments in the comics where, like, sometimes they are allowed, sometimes they're named guests that can come whenever they need Diana. And then there's times where, again, it's like, no, the law is the law, no man. It's like Diana, it's just whatever the writer Mm -hmm. feels like. It's like Mm, the writer's view of women. Whenever (laughs) we see that, we see a different Diana, different than (laughs) Mascara. I have seen a couple comics where at least Batman and Superman were allowed on Themyscira mm-hmm. because they were so close with Diana and also helped them like with the apocalypse run back in the mid-2000s. And then there was also the Justice League cartoon where they were allowed. They're failing to recognize the obvious opportunity here. They could have all been wearing wigs and... <laughs> <laughs> They could have just some liked it hot, just like <laughs> jumped right into that for some light comedy. Like as soon as like man steps foot there, there's a bell or a ping that goes off in Hippolyta's head, and it's like Madeline. It's like something is not right, and she just runs to get the rest of the army to go march and kill the man. Oh, I don't it's... know, but it ends with I think two other generals of the Amazon army saying like our sisters betrayed us. You find out in another two weeks when 46 <laughs> comes out. I'd give it like a 6 out of 10. Aww. Like, the art is really good. Like I said the other week as well, I'm curious to see where this story arc is going to go. But I don't know. It's just his take on how he's writing the Justice League members. I'm really not a fan of it. Again, maybe because it's only been five issues, I'm haven't really warmed up to but at the same time i feel like five issues is more than enough time to get you invested could be i did like the art like specter anytime he shows oh my gosh that art is great 
I also had no idea about the Spectre being tied to God. I just thought he was just another, like, being altogether. I understood that he had to release judgment and stuff, but I thought it was, like, just the universe in general had, like, the Spectre because they needed him. I didn't know that it was tied to God. I think that might have been a newly added thing with Rebirth because I don't know if Spectre's really played a part in too many series. I think during No Justice, he went bananas. Yeah, Scott Snyder used him as part of the council of, like, these all-knowing beings, along with Phantom Stranger, the Guardians of the Universe, and I forget one other being. But they were all part of, like, this council for the universe. And they kind of play, like, that role of the gods where... Was oh, and Dead Hi- Man? And High Father. High- yeah, High Father. And I think Dead Man's also, like, a weird little, like, you're kind of our lackey over here. I love like, Dead Man, yeah. and I love Phantom Stranger, but I don't get him. They both just show up places. Yeah, it's I've just only vagrants. read Phantom Stranger in two things. One was a Superboy comic from 2000s, and his actual comic in the 1980s. And I didn't understand any part of him whatsoever. But I don't know. I haven't really seen a lot of Spectre, but yeah, it's getting weird. It's getting a lot crazier than I was expecting the Justice League run to be. I thought this was going to be what Scott Snyder was leading it up to, which we didn't know. They were going to have to go back and fix these past events that the Justice League wasn't a part of in order to stop Perpetua. And now I have no idea what's even going on anymore with the Batman Who Laughs and Perpetua and Lex and all this stuff. I have no idea. I thought then that he was going to do something about this, but he's kind of just doing his own thing right now. I'll still read it, but it's not as enjoyable for me as it was when it was under Snyder. Yeah, a lot of, like, I think the the main plots for DC are just so complicated. There's too much going on. There's too many cooks in the kitchen right now. Like, focus on one thing. Like, focus on Batman Who Laughs. All right, cool. Focus on that. And then end it. Then focus on the Perpetual Lex thing, because I think they're pretty well connected. And then end it. But, like, why are there two simultaneous events events going on at the same time? And this pandemic's not helping any of it because then everything gets postponed. So then you go months without anything new and nobody really remembers what happened. It's just a big slog of too much. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you could technically focus on like the Batman who laughs thing. But then there's too much where it interacts with uh, the year of the villain. And this is why I dropped a lot of titles with DC. Mm-hmm. It was because of the confusion, the lack of interest in it. And I really only am reading things that are like tangentially connected or like they're just kind of there. Mm-hmm. So I know Snyder's laid it out time and time again whenever he does interviews and stuff like that. He has an actual board that displays the order of DC starting with Flashpoint all the way to now. And like if you read it like that, it does make sense how it tie into each other. But when you're getting these comics so sporadically and some comics are bi-weekly, some comics are monthly, but they all kind of tie in together, but one of them may be ahead of the other and one of them may be a couple issues behind, it gets really wonky in terms of time. Or it throws an entire character off like Catwoman who had to spin her (laughs) wheels in California, and they kept making bogus, crazy Mm -hmm. episodes to keep her there, because they were like, no, no, it's not your time to come in yet. You have to wait in the eaves. And Joel Jones is like, I made this 
plot that was only supposed to last like two issues. What am I doing? They're like, keep it going for two years. Why not? (laughs) And I think the problem with all of these DC events going on is like you kind of see their impact in a bunch of runs. But clearly there's no payoff. Like, there's no hint of an end in sight. You're like, where the heck is this actually going? You know, like, X-Men is complicated and ridiculous and there's so many things going on. You can tell there's probably an end game because there's a lot that he's ramping up and building up. Hickman also brought us Secret Wars. Took a while to ramp up, but you saw, like, he's gonna give us something. Instead of just like, here's all this random stuff. And with that, on the segue... Into Marauders number 10, which, hooray, Marvel is back about two, three weeks after DC and everything else. (laughs) Don't know why, just executive decisions on their part. And the Marauders have set their sights on power dampening technology that seems to have made its way into far too many hands, most notably the Russian army. And it turns out the Russians have kidnapped a former colleague of Forge. They are forcing him to recreate the tech that Forge had created. So speaking of bringing things back around, I know if you slog through um, episode of ours, I mentioned that they were bringing in some of the Morlocks and you're like, okay, Mm -hmm. I get that Emma would bring in the female Morlock as like her white bishop. Okay, she's got skills. But why they showed mask in a retirement facility in like Arizona made no sense. Well, they actually bring it back up. And I was like, congratulations. You wrapped up that random plot thread of why we introduced this. Because of all the events, they rescue the friend. But the problem is he has a photographic memory, which is why he knew all of the things that Forge had created, even though Forge had completely deleted all of his files. Storm's like, are you certain you deleted all of them? And he's like, yes, Storm, I'm not an idiot. Oh, my former colleague kind of had photographic memory. So they have to wipe his memory. And they send him to said retirement facility, which is ridiculous. I think he's human. I don't know. They're like, we can't let him leave. Oh, no. All right, poor guy. That's dark. But Wait, weren't they against... No, wait, I'm thinking Justice League. I'm thinking Identity Crisis with the mind. Oh, no, they are thing. not against changing memories because they do it <laughs> before this poor guy. Props to Forge's former colleague, this random guy who might have been more important in older comics. He purposely slowed down production or energy output for the suits so their radius wasn't as wide as the technology him and Forge created because he wanted to at least give them a fighting chance. And you're like, dude, you're a nice human. And they wipe your memories. Terrible. They have diplomatic immunity. <laughs> They're the and they throw it around like a giant <laughs> ding dong. Like me how much they're just like we don't care there wasn't much plot wise as i mentioned before they go in extract the guy take out the stuff end of story it was pretty simple as that there was some character interactions before leading up into it a needless bringing of the council together for them to be like "Mm, the marauders have already left because they don't care there's two email correspondents that show up it's those usual hickman background story building which i really enjoy that they don't want to spend time on characters monologuing to give you background but they were these adorable email correspondence between kitty and kurt also known as nightcrawler and you really can read them in their voices 
and you can tell the two of them are actually really close friends and it was really sweet on kitty's email it shows a lot of her fears and her worries of why she's different than the rest because we knew from the first issue she couldn't go through the krakoa portals like at all so that's why she was relying on the marauder the boat to get her from land to krakoa like so she could still land on krakoa another interesting thing is she mentioned she couldn't phase through certain parts of the island which is weird girl can phase through the entire earth and then end up in china has she done that i know she's phased the entire earth to have like a missile or a meteor or something go through it mm. pretty much there's nothing she can't phase through like obviously things that are really like dense metal she's a hard time of doing so like she can't just go through it like easy peasy like it's butter but there are certain places she can't even phase through i mean it makes sense though if she can't go through the portals that mm-hmm. there's something with krakoa that she's not going to be yeah. able to do entirely And I think it's because there might be places that Xavier is trying to hide. She's the perfect person to just stumble upon it. Like Moira McTaggart just hiding in a bunker somewhere on Kakoa. There's a lot of places or like those other hubs for the mutants' memories and things like the backup memories. She could easily walk through and either A, find them and be like, uh, this is weird, or accidentally mess them up. Because if they're potentially tech-based, then she disables it. Either way, there's definitely something going on as to why. Then Kurt's email is just is nice and sweet because he's totally understanding of her fears and is also kind of, I think, curious as to why this is going on. But he's not really looking into it because he's like, yeah, they've got a lot of things going on to deal with. Also, Cutlass Nightcrawler reference. Thank you of bringing back Nightcrawler and his little swords and his rapiers. So I like that. That was really sweet. But the main bulk of this issue was them getting on to this Russian ship to get Forge's um, colleague. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I really like how, despite the fact that all of these Russians want them dead and have power dampening technology, they didn't just thoughtlessly murder all the Russians on this freighter boat. Like, yeah, Emma did her thing and had them shoot each other, but they shot them in the legs. Like, she just incapacitated them. They rose the boat up using Iceman's powers so it couldn't move. And you're like, okay, sweet. We're going to let them go, right? We're going to take the dude and we're going to let them go. No, they brainwashed and changed their memories to pretty much say like, you don't remember anything for the past month. If you think of any bigoted thoughts towards anyone that is mutant, gay, pretty much minorities, if you think any negative thought, you will become severely ill. You will like and be Ah. friends with everyone, despite all of this. Tell us how you really feel. Oh my god. That's super not okay. Exactly. (laughs) I'm sorry. Changing a small group of people's memories isn't going to change the society as a whole. Changing memories at all isn't going to change society as a whole. No, because it's going to look worse for the mutants. Because they are forcing people to change their opinions through mutant abilities, which has already been an issue with a bunch of humans being like, oh, mutants have telepathy and a bunch of mental mutations that they can just get into my head and change my thoughts. Emma Frost, Xavier, Jean Grey, all of them are at least Omega level or around that, so they could just tap into people's brains. Cerebro was a massive issue. Like, why do you think this is a good idea? They're gonna go back home they're gonna be missing a month of their memories and all of a sudden they're gonna be like oh no 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 don't say anything bad about the Mm -hmm. mutants and they're gonna be like oh shit something happened to scott 
Scott, where where were you? I don't know. We were on a boat. I've got a bullet in my leg. And <laughs> suddenly I love mutants. I don't know. What's happening? Especially considering they're Russian. Yeah, the Red Scare is alive and well, like, all the time in Marvel World. <laughs> if people don't fear the mutants now, the fear rose when they're like, we are a sovereign nation. They're right. They're right. Everything Xavier said up to this point was a lie. And I now am bigoted against mutants and would like to see them all disappear. It's too bad they don't have the Judeo-Christian God on their side to, like, help out in a pinch. I was gonna say, it's only a matter of time before Magneto or Apocalypse is gonna go to their little council meeting and be like, Why don't we just wipe out the humans? We're just changing all their memories to like us anyway. Let's just get rid of them. Have everybody be a mutant. Problem solved. I'm surprised they've never thought of this, but I think at the same time they're like, we have to coexist with humans because their numbers have dwindled after M-Day. Like, a bunch of those different days. Like, I know um, Genosha getting, like, destroyed, wiped out a ton of mutants, and then Scarlet Witch said no more mutants. At least over, like, 90% of the mutant population was, like, Scarlet Witch was right. (laughs) She was the real hero. Nobody saw it. I've always been a fan of hers. But they've been bringing back dead mutants, like those that died in Genosha or other events, and they've also been giving mutants abilities back, like make them fight almost to the death to prove that they are worthy to get their immutability back. And they're fighting against freaking apocalypse. There was a literal sacrifice. She died and then came back as a born mutant. They called the freaking crucible, like... Nightcrawler and Cyclops were asking each other, like, is this okay? Like, is this right? If you have to ask, listen, I'm just saying cancel Marvel. We were we were bagging on DC, but... They just <laughs> gave the mutants too much power and too much to do with any of this that I don't understand how they're getting away with this stuff. And none of the other Avengers or other teams are stepping in to stop them. But that's the point. That is Hickman's entire thing, is he's building up all of these things that mutants are just doing that are freaking absurd and out of bounds. And you're like, it is going to hit them hard in the face when it blows up. And you know it's going to blow up because some mutants are going to be completely against what the heck they're doing when they find out what has actually been going on. Because this is like a freaking secret society over here and it's not good. The Avengers are probably going to step in at some point. A bunch of other groups that are probably going to step in. And it's, it's going to be a huge war against the mutants. The mutants are never going to recover. Like, no one's going to be able no. to trust them again. It, even if they go, we were brainwashed by an island. Remember when Captain America was a Nazi? Like, no one got over that. Like, even after they were like, haha, just kidding, it didn't happen. Deadpool still tried to murder him because all of the stuff that he did as Hydra, so awful. Plus the past 50 years when Xavier said that we should live with the humans, we shouldn't be separated from them. Right. And then all of a sudden he's like, yeah, that was the old Xavier. (laughs) (laughs) I think Magneto was right all along. Let's go with his island plan. But not even that, like, years and years the x-men have sided with like this one belief and then everything that they're doing goes against these decades 
of what they've done in the past and that's why i'm so confused as scott and nightcrawler are like discussing this like why aren't more of them discussing these things and just not going along with it like sacrifice that's what we need yeah okay let's do it we're gonna bring back some dead mutants yeah okay that's fine more the merrier it's captain yeah, america all they're over all coming again. out of eggs eggs yeah no problem <laughs> this issue he also questioned like what they're doing he's probably tired of making eggs well xavier's trying to bring kitty back because she either is missing or she actually did drown and die i don't know all we found of her in lockheed is lockheed that is it we don't know where kitty is but it's not working Obviously, either it's not working because of the whole anti-kitty Krakoa thing, or she's not dead, which is why it's not working. But wouldn't it work anyways, even if the person is dead? Wouldn't that be funny, though? Like, that's just a thing have, that like, can happen. A-, a bunch of Scots, like, yeah. curious. And then he comes back, and there's a Scot, and he's like, what the hell? And he's like, oh yeah, this is my wife. And then you're like, no, that's my wife. I was gone <laughs> for a month, and you replaced me with a clone? No, I'm the real well, Scott Jean's now. happy. because i mean like before it was you know logan could live forever but now mutants literally cheated death and can live forever and are bringing back dead mutants in eggs though logan is not an egg born they're all eggs (laughs) they're lizard people they are the literal lizard people the illuminati warned us about zuckerberg was right yeah, even though we ragged on it, I think some of the things are that are just going to blow up in the mutant's face. I didn't like it, but at the same time, if this doesn't go where I think it's going to go, I'm going to be very disappointed in wasting all of my money on this and my time <laughs> on reading them. As of right now, it's just a Fantastic Four that have combated against mm-hmm. them. But I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10 because I did like the little kitty and Kurt moments, and it did move the plot along, but there wasn't much there. Mm-hmm. I can't rag on it too hard because the art was consistent, it was nice, and we got some weird world building of the fact that mutants are selling like the best alcohol because they can age it 50 years. I hate these guys. <laughs> this is where you're putting your creative energy, Marvel. They're just proving that the mutants could literally do everything and anything and that they don't need the rest of the Earth. So they're either going to wipe out the human population and make everybody a mutant, or they're going to pull a new Krypton thing and go find a planet elsewhere. Thank you, JJ. <laughs> either way, that's it for my review on Marauders. Thank you, Muse. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Glad to be back. <laughs> it's good to keep an eye on those guys. I just haven't been able to get into it myself. It's nice to just peek that window open just a crack and then just <laughs> Walk bolt away. it shut. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I remember a Doctor Who episode or something where someone just opened a door in a long hallway in a hotel and just looked inside, immediately shut the door and walked away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's basically me with Marvel right now. <laughs> Alright, so we had some other comics come out this week. If you, if you want to read out the DC comics that also came out. Oh yeah, this week we came out with Aquaman 59, Batman Beyond 43. We had the two black label titles, Basketful of Heads number 7 and The Low Low Woods number 5. We also had Flash 7. 54, He-Man and the Masters of the Multiverse, number 6, Sandman Universe's The Books of Magic, number 19, Teen Titans, 41, and The Terrifics, 27. And I read four of those. Which ones? 
Uh, Aquaman, which was awesome. Batman Beyond, it's okay. The Flash is getting really good. And He-Man and Masters of the Multiverse, I read it even though I didn't like it. But it was the last issue of the run. So I had to complete it because I'm a completionist. Of course. And I'm glad it's over because I don't want to pick it up ever again. It sucks. Is it more of a, oh, I just don't know much about He-Man? Or was it just... No, it's just they were trying to do a Crisis of Infinite Earths thing where anti-He-Man is trying to take all the power swords for himself and control the multiverse in his own image. And a good Skeletor from his Earth ends up being the hero. And they see all these different versions of He-Man, including the classic 80s cartoon and a video game He-Man and an 80s cyberpunk He-Man, like all these different things. And some were cool looking, but the story itself sucks. Was She-Ra in it? No. <laughs> it's power swords and you don't have She-Ra. It's like He-Man has Skeletor. <laughs> so, with that, Joe, do you want to read out the three other Marvel comics that we had this week? Sure! Oh man, this is going to take forever. So we have this amazing Spider-Man number 43, which again, I'm just casually reading. Avengers 33, which something apparently huge happened in that, I don't know. And Venom number 25. I was too bored to finish it. (laughs) Completely understandable. So we do have a little bit of news for you if you want to cover. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I figured I'd give it to you. (laughs) Thank you. Here's the goss. There is a new Catwoman writer and artist taking over for Joel Jones, um, Ram V, who recently took over Justice League Dark is going to be writing. He wrote a little bit, if you remember the cha-cha-cha one-off with Catwoman. It, listen, (laughs) (laughs) it was a breath of fresh air in terms of just a departure from the mundane. The constant, oh, I'm fighting this old lady and I can't win. (laughs) She was robbing a guy and it was full of pizzazz, but it was a little overly stylistic to the point where it was sort of hokey. So, yeah. who knows what he's going to do. I trust him. I don't trust Fernando Blanco, the artist. I always dish on artists and I shouldn't, but I don't like his art. And so now I'm sad. He has done the art in the past couple issues now too, right? He's helped Joel Jones out. I hated that. Do you remember yeah. any of those reviews? I screamed. I hated <laughs> that art so much. The copying, the pasting. I was going to say, I specifically remember the copying of panels. Oh, it was so lazy and the backgrounds were so bad and the art was so inconsistent and it was so unappealing. Catwoman deserves better. Hashtag where's Gleason. Okay, so (laughs) (laughs) the cha-cha-cha issues were 14 and 15 if you want to look those up and make up your own mind about Ram V. There will be a sampling of their new collaboration in Catwoman's 80th, which is coming out next week. Finally! And I was so bummed. If you remember, I think last week we were talking about Mm -hmm. how I hadn't pre-ordered anything, and I went and checked my comic shop to see if I could grab any of, like, the last stragglers, and I realized, oh no, I did. I (laughs) pre-ordered a lot. I have, like, ten covers Listen, I don't need every <laughs> single one. There are more than you know because there are artists who are selling their own in their own this shops. Is true. So you'll never and collect them. And those are them more all. money. Yeah. I don't intend to. Not even the action comics ones. 
<laughs> I, I bought the Gleason covers for Action and Batman because they were just beautiful, and I want to frame them on a wall together because they just work. That sounds actually really nice. Show us when you do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely check out Catwoman's 100-page 80th coming out next Wednesday. I guess technically it's Tuesday if you want to read it online, if you want to be lame. But if you're <laughs> like me and you're getting in the mail, who knows when you'll get it? And then we can read it together. <laughs> but I'm really excited. I haven't read um, a lot of these writers in a long time. And they have some really classic team-ups coming in. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited. Is Chuck Dixon doing one? I can't remember. I think he is. And I'm very excited. We'll find out next week when we review it. <laughs> also, wanted to mention some of the things coming out next year. We found out uh, a little bit more about James Gunn's Suicide Squad, which is in the works for August of next year. And we're going to have some actors that include Margot Robbie, Viola Davis, Jai Courtney, of course. But then also, they're throwing in John Cena, Nathan, <laughs> do, 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 do. who will be playing himself. <laughs> He's joining the Justice League as John Cena. <laughs> Nathan Fillion. Who will he be playing? We don't know. Probably Green Lantern. I would I hope. hope so. Yeah, in my mind, I was like, Green Lantern? No. He's the only other person that I can see playing Green Lantern. I mean, he did voice Hal Jordan. Yeah, poor Ryan Reynolds got, like, shafted because he did a good job with the, the crappy movie that they gave yeah. him. So he, he could have been Hal, but... I appreciate his joking about that in a lighthearted tone yeah. of such a horrible career choice. Um, Pete Davidson from SNL is going to be in it for some reason. Taika Waititi, which is just a gold <laughs> mine. <Yes. laughs> Peter Capaldi. Playing the doctor? (laughs) Hopefully not. That was honestly the worst role I've ever seen him in. Let's do something else. I think it'll be great whatever he does, because I think Peter Capaldi's an amazing actor. He Um, is. Idris Elba, and also Michael Rooker. I'm trying to think, like, who Idris Elba could be. It could be Bronze Tiger. That's what I was thinking. I was like, Bronze Tiger. I was like, he can do that, like, intimidating, menacing kind of vibe Mm -hmm. to him better than... I'm glad James Gunn is doing this. And it sounds yeah. like he's dragging along Michael Rooker and... And Taika Watiti. And Taika. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so great. I cannot wait for that. I am a little bummed though because I know Dave Bautista said, if James Gunn moves to DC, take me with you. I want to be in your next thing. I would happily play Bane. Oh, Maybe he yeah. was being a little bit too uh, available. He needed to play hard to get. <laughs> I would love to see him as Bane. I think that would be great. Right? <laughs> Especially Harley Quinn animated version Bane. Like, please. Tom Hardy uh, flanderization. I think it'll be great. I am so excited. for This and Black Adam are the two DC movies coming out next year that I'm excited for. And Wonder Woman. <laughs> yeah, there it yes. is. I keep forgetting that that's not coming out at the end of the year. I know, it, was it feels like to, it should. It's so sad. Well, they're confident this is a blockbuster, and they don't want to go too soon and not capitalize. It's yeah. like Marvel withholding Black Widow, mm-hmm. and I think also Mulan, because they're like, we yeah. don't want to release a lot of our live actions. But weren't they saying, like, when they put the Trolls out, like the Trolls World Tour or whatever, like, it made insane right, amounts yeah. of money. So, like... Maybe you guys missed out by not capitalizing on people's boredom during quarantine. 
now everyone's going to be poor for the next two years at least. <laughs> and they're not going to go see it in the theaters, so what are you doing? Yeah, especially now with HBO Max coming out. Well, just came out like a couple days ago. And they already have their own DC Comics movie selection mm. on their oh, wow. streaming site. DC Redemption arc. <laughs> Starting with release the Snyder Cut. Right? <laughs> so we're going to kind of cover the possible comics for the next week for DC and Marvel. If you want to get an updated list, we'll post it on our Tumblr. So, Joe, if you would like to cover the DC comics. Sure. So again, these are possible. You have Action Comics 1022. You have the more amazing Batman Superman number 9 by Joshua Williamson. You have a one-shot Birds of Prey number 1 being written by Brian Azzarello, who did like the Batman Damned, the Lex Luthor comic from like 2000s, with the art by Emanuela Lupacino. You have Catwoman, Catwoman, Catwoman with the 80th anniversary <laughs> coming out, and also Joel Jones' is issue 22. Mm. Once again... Issue 25 is when Ram V is going to be taking over in September. You have Tomasi's Detective Comics 1022. You have Bendis trying to make Leviathan current <laughs> still with Event Leviathan Checkmate number one. You have John Constantine Hellblazer number six, Justice League Dark number 22, Shazam number 12, and Wonder Woman 756. So I guess Wonder Woman is bi-weekly. So I'm going to read... Batman, Superman, Catwoman, Detective Comics, and Wonder Woman. I'm reading Action, Batman, Superman, Catwoman, Catwoman, Detective, <laughs> and Shazam and Wonder Woman. Mine is just Justice League Dark and Shazam. You're not going to read the Catwoman 80th? She doesn't like We're Catwoman. We're reviewing it. She doesn't I don't appreciate dislike Catwoman. Her. I probably should read it just so we can like discuss it all. But it's your boy, it's, Chuck it's Dixon. Coming back. Fine, I'll read it. He's probably angry. I need to read most of the 80s because I do adore Catwoman. She's one of my favorite villains turned anti-hero. Whoa. Flip hero Whoa. characters. She's step one of my aside, favorites. Harley Quinn. Oh yeah, no, step aside Harley Quinn. She was like way better than you before you even existed. <laughs> Claws out. Yeah. Meow. Team Catwoman. <laughs> I do like cats, so like... This is true. I'm not gonna read the catwoman eight. Actually, hold that thought. Let me get on my podium real quick. <laughs> I heckin' love Catwoman. I just realized. <laughs> it's more the cats I adore. <laughs> it depends uh, if we read her or not. Does she have a cat with her? That's what Muse is yelling from the street below. Batman, she have a cat? <laughs> Where's the cat? There it is. I stand. <laughs> Go on. Well, I want to talk about Marvel for once. Go ahead. <laughs> Next week. We are definitely getting not a no, lot we're more. Not. What? Not definitely. We're definitely. This is the thing. We're not I have faith in Marvel. That's not You just shut it even, down tremendously. Not even close. But <laughs> Listen, here's what could happen. We're going to get Avengers of the Wastelands, number five, which I kind of want to read. Uh, Revenge of the Cosmic Ghost Rider, number five. Scream, Curse of Carnage, number six. 2020 Force Works, number three, which I have never heard of in my life. I spoke about it a couple episodes ago. Isn't it like the 
crossover stuff with like the Iron Man characters. Yeah, Iron Man and a couple other uh, 2020 story arcs that they had going on. I read the Iron Man one. That was absolute garbage because it's not even Tony Stark. It's his like adopted step half brother or something like that. Arno Stark, who looks exactly like Tony. Interesting. And he's got giant gear-shaped shoulders that I have no idea how he even moves his arms with those things. Oh, no. None of this is ringing a bell at all. I'm just in the dark. Yeah, I remember Joe harped on it at one it point. Sucked. It came out the same time as the Jessica Jones blind spot. And Avengers of the Wasteland, that's part of the Old Man Logan universe, right? Mm, yep. Yeah, that's why I didn't read it. What, you don't like Old Man Logan? I never read it. Oh, it's not bad. And then Cosmic Ghost Rider, I read the first issue... And I was like, what the hell is this? And then I tossed it out the window. I don't understand why they're trying to make, like, Ghost Rider relevant in, like, mainstay continuity stuff like Avengers. Like, he was a part of, like, the Avengers run for a while. Ghost Rider's, like, a lone ranger kind of guy. Like, he's cool in his own story, but why? I mean, he was also big in the Ultimate Alliance video games. That might have been why. Yeah, I saw it's sort of a resurgence in the S.H.I.E.L.D. TV series. Yeah, they had the car one, right? Yeah, so maybe it was something like that, where they're like, he's relevant, he's hip, kids love him. Uh-huh. <laughs> Bring Nick Cage back. Aww. All right, so that is everything that we have for this week's episode of Court of Owlets podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr at Court of Owlets. Let us know which comics you want us to cover next week, and make sure you stay up to date with our latest episodes by subscribing to the podcast on Anchor, Apple, Google, Spotify, and anywhere else you may listen to your podcast. Thanks, guys. Thanks, bye. Take care.